0: Hello and welcome to Faithbrook Church. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Mike DelGallo. I serve as a Connections Pastor here on staff. If you are a guest joining in for the first time, or maybe this has been a few times you join in, I want to give you a special welcome uh, also. And just wanted to uh, let you know, today is going to be just a little different than normal. Today is Vision Sunday. And in just a few moments, we're going to hear from our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, just a bit about our mission and our vision and where what God has for us. Us in the next coming years, So this will be something that uh, you'll definitely want to lean in and uh, take heed of for this morning. But if you are a guest with us, I do want to encourage you to reach into the seat back in front of you and to grab a blue connection card. If you would just fill out your information and drop it off into the giving box as you leave, that would be great. And for those of you who are online or even watching on demand, you can go to faithbrook.church forward slash guest. That's faithbrook.church forward slash guest and fill out a connection card. There as well. Well, whether you fill out a physical or digital connection card, two things are going to happen. One, I would personally love to follow up with you and just thank you for taking time out of your weekend to join in with us. And two, for every connection card that we receive, we donate $5 to a cross food shelf. And this is just a small way that we can participate in local outreach and just a small way you could partner with a nonprofit organization and help bless our surrounding community. So I look forward to connecting with you and making that donation. Well, the vision here at Faithbrook is to be a church who lead people into a new and thriving life in Christ. And one of the ways that we do this, as I mentioned earlier, is through local outreach. And in fact, this winter, coming up in March, we're going to have an opportunity to volunteer at Feed My Starving Children. Now, in just a few moments, we're going to see a little video about uh, more details about what Feed My Starving Children is. But what it is, is uh, it's all about an organi- a nonprofit organization who uh, work hard to make sure that there are no starving kids around around. around the world. And so our part is we're going to go down to one of their local food centers and help put together food bags so that they can be distributed around the world. In fact, I remember a few years ago, my wife and I signed up and we joined in and volunteered, and it was so much fun. In fact, we signed up with our life group, our small group, and it was so fun to be able to put together these food bags, know that we're contributing to something really awesome, and also a chance just to grow in deeper friendships with our small group as well. So this is something that uh, you're interested in, would encourage you to sign up, not only just as adults, but also as a great uh, to sign up for your, as a family as well. Now, if you're interested in this, uh, the best place to go for information and to sign up is through the Church Center app. You can download this app from your uh, web store, and when you do it, if you don't have it yet, it just takes a few moments to set up, and once you do, you just go down to the bottom left and click on More, and then click on Events, and you can see the Feed My Starving Children logo, and through there you can see all the information. In fact, we're Going to have two days in which we're going to be serving. That's going to be Friday, March 11th, and also Saturday, March 12th. And you want to make sure that uh, you select the right right date. But without further ado, before we hear from our lead pastor, check out this video.
1: Hi there. Uh, my name is Junior.
0: I'm here uh, in Germany, uh, Haiti. I just want to take a moment and say thank you to all the pharmacy staff, uh, donors, and volunteers. Uh, the need in Haiti has always been great, but because of COVID 19, uh, it has never been greater. And I'm sure you hear that all the time, but uh,
1: some of the folks I've been to, I've met today, Raymond and Raymond uh, Jevenson and and Davidson, uh, they, they not only love this food, they rely on this food uh, for the future. So for all of you out there uh, who donate, uh, volunteers and the staff, uh, I just want to say thanks, and on behalf of those kids that I'm with uh, today here in Germany, uh, uh, the impact you have on their life will be will be for many many months and many years to come. So to all of you out there, thank you, and God bless you. It was 1899 when young James Dole graduated from the business school of Harvard University. At his graduation, someone in his family gave him a $50 um, check, and that was a lot of money in those days. Well, he wanted to do something grand and start a business. He had a distant relative that was in the area of Hawaii, and communicated with young James Dole, said there's some um, farmland out here, there's not much population, why don't you come out here? So he took the long truck at this young age all by himself out to uh, Oahu, and there his cousins started sharing about some of the opportunities. Took them up to the high plains of that island and said there's some fertile ground up here. You ought to buy yourself a farm here. Well, with his $50, he bought 64 acres and started experimenting with what kind of crops that he could start a farm, maybe build a business with. Well, eventually he found that that property up there was ideal for premier pineapple growing. And those pineapples started growing and growing and expanding. And then he got the idea and had a vision that I'd like to take my little pineapples all the way to the mainland, And so his vision com- compiled of, of taking out some magazine ads of these delightful little sweet pineapple treats in one of his cans could be shipped to America. And eventually the Americans started buying his little cans of dull pineapples and about 50 years later, every American family somewhere in their cupboard or on their kitchen table had some Dole pineapples. And today, maybe you have tasted and know the iconic empire of Dole pineapple and all started with the vision of this man 120 years ago to start producing amazing pineapples from Hawaii. Well, many of you know that uh, we had the luxury of going to uh, Hawaii this last couple of weeks, uh, the church let us have a study break in January. Part of that was some vacation. They realized that we've been ministering here for about 20 years and said, man, we just want to appreciate you. And so they they sponsored us to go to Hawaii. And we so appreciate the church and church leadership. Uh, we had an amazing time. Uh, my wife, Terry, she's like, man, I want to go to the Dole Pineapple Plantation. That's where it all began. And there, there's a gift store. It's like, you know, everything pineapple, if you can imagine. Pineapple this, pineapple there, and she had to have a pineapple whip, right? It's kind of like this soft serve kind of yellowy stuff, right? And they put it in this half pineapple and straws and she's just sucking that all up, man. It's just pineapple, pineapple, right? All because of this guy had the vision. Well, we are here on Vision Sunday. We do it once a year. So glad that you are with us today. Maybe you're online um, worshiping with us, or maybe this is your first time, this is, this is kind of a little look about the, who Faithbrook is, uh, where we're going, what we want to be about. I would just suggest to you that 120 years ago, James Dole had a great vision to put his pineapples in every American uh, cupboard or our dining room table. But our vision, God's vision, had a grander vision. And it started 2,000 years ago, when he would send himself through his son, Jesus Christ, to earth to redeem this earth. See, God's vision wasn't about making a lot of money and building some kind of fruity empire, but God's vision was to offer people a full life that resulted in eternal life with him in heaven forever. Now, God knew and saw that mankind was struggling with all kinds of issues, there was greed and discord and jealousy and sin, wars, sicknesses, fears. And God saw that man was drifting away from his original design, that he built and created God in his own image, and sin was corroding and corrupting mankind. Eventually, if it wasn't stopped, if there wasn't a solution, eventually every man and woman would eventually end up in eternal darkness. He realized that man could not fix his own brokenness no matter how smart or sophisticated they were. They would have to have a savior. And so God intervened with his vision and his heart. And he came to this world as a human being, Jesus Christ and lived a perfect life, and modeled God's heart, and wanted to share about the solution for mankind. Eventually, he'd allow himself to be crucified on the cross. And he would raise from the dead three days later, authenticating himself as the one true God that all would believe in him, could have this eternal life. Now, fortunately, we have a lot of documentation of his ministry on life, his words, and how he interacted with people, and what he did, and all his mannerisms and his his practices all speak to his heart and his vision. And this morning, I'd like to pick one of those stories out. We can find it in the Gospel of Mark in chapter five, chapter five, and I believe starting with verse twenty-four. And it says, Mark wrote, a large crowd was following and pressed around him. Now, scholars know that there was different periods in Jesus' ministry for three years, and this was his popularity period. Word was getting out that this man had an amazing way. He had these powers to heal people. He spoke like no other person. Uh, Some people are starting to believe that he actually could be the the Jewish Messiah. And so people were wanting to get to know him. And when he came to their area and their crowd, they started flocking out, uh, wanting to hear from him, wanting to uh, be healed or somebody in their family might need to be healed. And he's very popular. And see, we see the state in chapter five, and it says a large crowd followed and pressed around him. Mark continued on and said, A woman who was there who had a, been subject to bleeding for 12 years, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. So <clears throat> this stranger, this lady, she had a, an issue hemorrhaging um, for 12 years. I, I can't imagine how humiliating that was. I'm sure she wasn't asked to the parties. I'm sure she was kind of uh, marginalized and kind of kept to herself with this issue. I, I can't imagine how desperate she was. 12 years. Uh, the medicine people of that days couldn't fix her, and there she was, and she got word from this guy, this Nazarene from Nazareth was, was coming to her town, and somewhere in her, she's like, man, if I could just see him. I'm so desperate. I need a touch from him. And so Mark continued to share this story, and when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, his, his robe. <clears throat> I'm sure there was a lot of people around there. Somehow she squeezed in there and took the courage that she could just touch him. She didn't have to speak to him. She just could touch this amazing man. She thought, well, if I touch his clothes, I will be healed. That's, that's the kind of level of belief and faith that she had. Immediately, the scripture tell us, her bleeding stopped And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Something marvelous and divine happened. Instantly, she was healed. She knew that she was free from this condition. And probably more than that, her soul was full of God's love. Well, here's Christ's reaction. At once, Jesus realized that the power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, "'Who touched my clothes?' So something happened, uh, and he stopped what he was doing, and his, his disciples responded, well, you see the people crowding around you, Jesus. thousands, hundreds of people just kind of mashing in around you and touching you. Are, you. are you kidding me, right? And yet you ask, who, who touched me? A lot of people have been touching you. No, there's something different. It goes on. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it, Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear. She knew that Jesus stopped. He stopped to parade, looked around. Who is this person? Where is she? And she's like, I'm one. I know I've been touched, I've been healed. And, and maybe she's like, I, I don't know if that, was, if that was appropriate or not. He's a, he's a holy man, and, and I touched the cloak, and who am I? And, and so she's scared to death, and she falls on her face, and, and then she tells the whole story God, I'm so desperate. I've been so humiliating, suffering with pain and turmoil and outcast, and you were my only hope. If I could just touch, I'm so sorry that I touched you. I'm so sorry, but something changed in my life and changed in my body. And look what he said to her daughter. Daughter, you're my child. They didn't even know each other, but in God's mind, it was one of his. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. That is the heart of Christ. And what we notice in this this story that, that Mark documented, that Christ had a heart for people. You know, Jesus had a lot of different options, right? He was a son of God. He had a lot of knowledge. But a lot of times, Jesus didn't always hang out in the synagogues and say, well, I'm just here to preach and share all this knowledge. He went where the people were because he had a heart for the people. He came for the people. He could have just always just kind of um, excluciated himself with his disciples and and taught his his little small group of people, but he went where the people were hurting. And this is the second thing we notice in the story, that Jesus— cares for the hurting. This is just one of many stories, and for this lady, she had an embarrassing issue, uh, how awkward it must have been, and, and probably, you know, she came by herself, and no one could help her, but she had a faith that said, Jesus can touch me. Jesus, if I just reach his garments, and this amazing story was brought to us. Now, I would submit to you today that this issue had to do with this one lady's uh, physical issue and suffering, but it could represent that we all have some kind of issue in our life. We're all suffering with something or have suffered with something. I, I would suggest to you that many people have hurts, they have hang-ups, they're dealing with different habits. If, if we know enough about humanity, we know that somewhere we all have had emotional wo- wounds. People have said things to us. People have done things to us, and we just kind of hold that in. We've had heartbreaking relationship breakups and brokenness. People today dealing with grief and loss, sadness. Some people have issues of failures. Some people are grappling with fear. It's everywhere. It's, It's life. A couple of weeks ago, I, I sent out a little ad hoc uh, survey of different things, and I asked a couple of people, what do you think is the pressing needs of, of uh, our, our, our community today? What do you think people are dealing with in the community today that are, that are pressing in? Most of them came back and said, well, everyday family stresses. Everyday family stresses. You know, the work-life balance, the demands from, from who we're working for People are trying to get parenting right. They're trying to keep their marriage alive somehow, maybe have a spark of, of romance and all, all the different uh, voices and noises and technology out there. We also know people are dealing with some physical needs. Every week we, we have people that uh, contact our church and say, man, would you pray for my neighbor, my, my coworker, uh, my relative somewhere. They're, they're suffering with some kind of illness or disease, right? And Pastor Peggy, Uh, just administrates that really well. We have about 40 people said, I'll pray for you. I'll pray. And we've seen some people be healed and touched and and rebound and, and walk with people because everyone has some kind of issue just like this lady had hers. And we see in this story that Jesus cares. And what really speaks to me, what really stands out to me is that Jesus stops what he's doing. He stops the parade and he starts looking for this one person. There were hundreds of people. He was a busy man. He could have done many other things, but he stopped and said, who touched me? Why? Because every person is important. Every person is important to Jesus. Who touched me? My dear daughter, your faith has healed you. Go and be free and be made whole. My friends here on Fission Sunday, Maybe you're viewing us or just maybe here for the first or second time, or you're a long-term member here. I want you to know this should be the heartbeat of Faithbrook Church, a representative of the church of the Nazarene, the Nazarene guy, Jesus Christ, that every person is important. See, Jesus came to this world not for just massive people, but for you and me. He knows every one of us by name, and he hung on that cross that we would be saved and redeemed. You know, I I brought a um, a, a pineapple the other day. I'm I'm pretty sure it probably came from Hawaii. We got kind of pineapple on the brain. And uh, have you ever noticed how unique uh, pineapples are of all the different kind of fruit? And I want to suggest to you today that pineapples are kind of like human beings, a, a person, Right. And the first thing we know that, that when we go through life, sin and self just kind of takes over. Before we know it, we can kind of have a hardening. Uh, on the outside of the pineapple, this, this shell, man, it, it's, it's not very edible. You're just like, hey, I want to bite into this. No, it's kind of ugly. It's kind of callous. It's hard. It's got these prickly kind of things. It's, it, it's not good at all. And, and a lot of times, that's what sin does in our life. Are just selfishness, right? We, we just learn to get kind of hard and prickly, and we're going to do our own thing, and we can manage our own thing, and it, it's not very pretty. And I also noticed that, you know, pineapples have this, I'm not sure what it's called, some kind of stem, funky-looking feather thing, right? How many fruits have this kind of feather thing? And, and that's kind of like every person, they, every person's kind of got have their law of funkiness, right? They're kind of weirdness, quirkiness, right? And they're like, look at me, I'm this person and I can do this and I'm this kind of thing. I think that's what pineapples do. Right. Well, right here, the soul is kind of all calloused and hardened around. We just kind of go through life. But Jesus' vision is not for this, right? Jesus knows the good stuff. The good stuff is on the inside Of every person. And when you think of pineapples, you might start with this, but the vision is that your life and your soul turns into this. How many would like to have a delectable, dripping, juicy piece of pineapple this morning? That's the heartbeat of Jesus. He realizes, if we realize how corny and funky we are and we need help, and we confess and say, Jesus, I need you, I'm going to reach out to you like that woman... God's amazing grace and God's amazing love is willing to slice off all the ugliness and forgive us and purify us from the things that we have done to others, the things we have done before God that we regret, that we're we're under condemnation by God's love. He's willing to shear it and forgive it it, and it departs from us. There's no more condemnation in Christ Jesus, and before you know it, God starts transforming us and turning us into something that he originally created us to be, Christ-like, full of his love, full of his Holy Spirit. Last couple of weeks, Pastor Mike did a great job on, on sharing Romans 12, first things first, and how God gave the Apostle Paul this outline of just a beautiful life. And he started with, and with these words, in view of God's mercy. If we could just take a picture and remember that God's sacrifice on the cross, his mercy, he didn't have to do that. He went through tremendous pain because you and me, if we had that view of his mercy, then it's easier to offer our lives as living sacrifices. Yes, God, here's my living, my life as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you. This is our spiritual act of worship. And then he starts talking about how God starts transforming us. Before we know it, man, we are loving our enemies. We are finding our, our purpose. We're having more of a holistic view of life because Christ is transformed. Forming us through the Holy Spirit, through the church, and people teach us and, and encourage us and build into our life, that eventually that when people see our life, we're like, yeah, I want to be around that person. There's something different about that person. But what's happening in their life? In fact, uh, last couple of weeks, uh, I've had two strangers that I was interacting with, and um, they, they said, oh, you have, a, you have a good energy coming from you. I hadn't heard that term for a while. It's like, good energy, huh? I got some good energy coming from me. Well, that's nice. And, And one of them, I was so bold and said, well, excuse me, that's not energy coming from me. Hopefully, that's God's spirit living within me, that there's some love, because God got rid of the ugliness and nastiness and started me on a purpose and a journey that every day I want to love him, and I want to have an energy, if you will, or a spirit that looks more like Christ. That, my friends, is the heartbeat of Christ in the vision. A couple weeks ago, there was a a gentleman, a young man, and he he was complaining to Pastor Mike. He said, Pastor Mike, I'm not happy with you. I'm not happy with you. And we're like, oh, what's the problem? He said, man, you're preaching. I come to this church and listen to your preaching it's got me convicted. And uh, I had some turmoil at work the other day and, and so they put me with this partner and and um, uh, this guy was aggravating me and getting on my nerves, man. And he said, before I started coming to church, Faith man, I would just like light people up. I just cuss them out. And I'm not working with you and you need to get together. But man, I was listening to your sermon about first things first, loving your enemy. And God wants us to love people. And so I kept my mouth quiet and I was trying to be patient. And and we made it through. And I didn't blow up and I didn't make drama in my my company and stuff. And 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 my supervisors noticed and they brought me in and they said, Hey, we know you're kind of struggling with this guy. And, we appreciate you didn't you know, melt down and have all kinds of problems and stuff. So we're going to try to help you out. We're going to change some partners, get you another co-worker or whatever. And, and he says, but man, it was hard. It was hard living like Christ. And me and Pastor Mike were just smiling. It's like, yeah, he's being transformed, right? He's realizing this is what we just fall to, right? Our flesh. But God wants something better in our life. And he's making a difference out there in his corporation because they know there's something different than what everyone else is living for. See, that's what Faithbrook is called to see and do. We're called to stop what we're doing because every person is important. And God has a vision for every person. And we're just his stewards. We're just his his helpers, his hands and feet to to communicate this. I remember five years ago when we came into this, started building this building that God laid on us a foundational scripture for our church, who we are. What we're supposed to do, and it comes out of Acts 26. It was commissioning to Paul, but I believe it's a commission to says, I'm sending you. Many of you know that we had to leave. We were tucked down in, in Osseo, and it was a major leap for us to change and uh, reinvent ourselves. And, and so I want you to go to those, the farm fields of Dayton and Maple Grove. There's, there's no churches yet. Our house is out, but there's going to be thousands of people moving in there eventually. And so we went. We were, we were sent. He said, I want you to open up their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Now, friends, I'm not a preacher that just preaches that there's a demon under every rock, right? But I truly believe that there is an agenda by the evil one, right? Through forces and principalities that wants to corrupt and harden and hurt people spiritually and emotionally. And and people crack and give in to that. But God's saying, would you be brave enough? I'm sending you to open up a station, a facility to help people go from the darkness into light I am the light of the world into God and not only that that they would come to a point where they would receive forgiveness of sins they would say yes to Jesus I want your redemption to forgive me I want you to come into my life and say you have to even forgiveness of sin that I don't have to be worrying about if I have condemnation and sin but I can be free and new in Christ because of your grace because of your your blood forgiveness of sins and a place among those who who are sanctified by faith. We don't use that word sanctified a lot of times, but that's, that means a piece of wholeness, of holiness. You're set apart. And before you know your identity becomes, you're you're one of those Jesus people. You're one of those Christian people that are authentic and, and real. Yes, to be sanctified by faith. I'm one of those people. That, that was our mission because see, God knew that no matter how fluent and suburban we are, so there are people still carrying hurt and sorrow, like the lady that was dealing with her blood issue. And God wants us to stop and see those people because every person is important. And by the way, every one of us is one of those people. I was one of those people. I was the kid that maybe on the outside, maybe had it all together. I didn't have some major trauma. I wasn't selling drugs and doing bad things, all that kind of stuff. But inside, there was a hole in my heart inside, I knew that there was not a source. There was not a peace in my heart. And I came to the point and said, God, you got to swipe away the ugliness and the sin. And I was a nobody. And Jesus stopped the train and said, nobody knows who you are, but I know who you are, Jim, and I will save you and I'll believe in you. And God started forming my life. And maybe some people still think I'm kind of quirky and weird and all right here, right? But I hope to be something like this. That people, when comfort's around, man, I want to be around that person. It's part, it's part like the fruit of the Spirit, right? That we start morphing into this, this spirit of goodness and kindness and joy, self-control and godliness. And say, I see Jesus in you and add value and blessings to our, our neighbors and our families. That's the vision of God. That's why he came. He dispelled that in this Mark 5 story because every person is important. And I believe God is compelling our church to collaborate together to offer a life-giving, biblical, impacting church that eventually people will hear about and know about in our community. I see at one time that people were going to say, oh, I know who Faithful Church is. Or, yeah, my, my coworker goes to that, that church. They, they seem to be really into Jesus. You know, they're, they're easy to work with. Um, they're responsible. Oh, yeah, there's, there's kids in my, my kids' class. Their family goes to Faithbrook, and, 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 or, or my neighbor went there, or, or my cousin goes there, and their life has been changed. They're, they became kind of new and a different person, a new life because of Faithbrook Church. See, I, I know there's a lot of people. That don't care about Christ and Christianity today. There was people in Jesus' day that didn't come out and say, oh, that that Nazarene Jesus dude was in town. They didn't come out. Some of them just came out for curiosity and say, yeah, who is this guy, right? But others pressed into Jesus, and they needed Jesus. And I believe today there are people that are searching for Christ. And Christ is not here himself, but He's his examples and his his family, his people, his church, and we're just one of the churches that are trying to live like Christ, and could it be that Christ is asking us to communicate the, of, the way of Christ in such a way that's tangible, that's like I can understand. Sometimes the Bible is so overwhelming. Sometimes the scriptures are so complex, people are like, man, I'm, I'm not even going there. You know, here at Faithbrook, one of the things that stinks us is that we like to put like, what we call the, the cookies on the bottom shelf. We want to take the gospel and make it understandably for, for every person. That you can invite your neighbor or your coworker and say, you know, they're not going to be harsh and dogmatic. And, and, and they're going to, you're going to understand it. And you're going to have some space to kind of travel along here and come to your own understanding and say, man, I, I want to say yes to Jesus. I I believe in that. We wouldn't have that confidence and that trust that this is a place that's healthy, that's whole, that's not full of dysfunction and and problems, that's alive, that's vibrant, that is reaching. It's not just all about themselves. Will you think anyone has an appetite for that out there? It kind of reminds me of having an appetite for some good food. How often do Americans like, man, I'd like to have some good food. Let's go out to dinner. And many times we'll say, well, I don't have time for a sit down. I don't have the money. So let's go to fast food. And half the time you're like, oh, fast food. Blah, blah, right? But if I put a survey out there and asked you, you know, of all the different uh, restaurants, fast food restaurants in this Northwest area, and we got a lot of them. What, what do you think would rise to the type of, of the most favorite fast food restaurant out there? I mean, people really like and say, man, that's quality, that's good stuff. But well, which one would come to the top, right? Well, the surveys have been out there, and one of the ones that comes to the top all the time, all the time, is Chick-fil-A. Can I get an amen, right? I mean, there's something awesome about Chick-fil-A. I don't know. It's just that, that chicken now. Every fast food place has a chicken ch- sandwich now, right? Chicken. But it's like the queen or the king of chicken sandwiches is the Chick-fil-A sandwich. Come on now. I mean, and when they deliver it to you, they got that foil wrapper thing, and you slide it out in that soft bun right in this big, thick chicken breast right to that batter. And then when we put your teeth in that thing, it's just like, oh, yeah. We've had heaven, right? A chicken sandwich, right? But it doesn't stop there. And then if you go to Chick-fil-A, I mean, their restaurants are really appealing. You go in there, it's modernized. It's excellent, and they love kids. They still have one of those kid cages kind of things, right? And this kid's service, the service is remarkable. Everybody's there to help you, and they're all prim and proper. And if you say thank you, they always say, it's my pleasure, it's my pleasure to serve me. I'm just nobody, right? It's our pleasure. Remember the pandemic. They were like the first one to say, man, we're going to invest and we're going to give to this community. We're going to have two drive-throughs, right? And we're going to value our employees and we're going to put up these little phone booths, whatever, and some heaters, right? And we're getting people through eating chicken sandwiches. It was like, man, they're just like elite. They're like awesome, right? Could it be? that there are a lot of churches that sell Jesus, amen? There are a lot of churches, like uh, fast food, that that sell uh, chicken sandwiches. But there's one restaurant that kind of stands out and says, wow, the way they operate, there's something different. The taste of their chicken, right? The way they treat people. Could it be that God's vision for our church is like, man, our volunteers, our employees, our staff are ready for people. It's our pleasure. We're excited to be here, man. We believe Jesus is the best thing to sell and for our kids in the next generation. Now, I know some of you are like, man, I'm, I'm going to get a sandwich right now. Way to go, Jim, right? And then you're like, oh, shoot, they're not open on Sundays. And yet Chick-fil-A is the most profitable most profitable uh, franchise in America, even though they're not open on Sunday. They have convictions. They have some morals. They have some standards. And uh, our church has some morals and standards, right? In, in Jesus' name. But you know what their business model is? It's not so much bottom line profit, how much volume of chicken we can sell. Their, their whole model is to add value. That 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 is their secret sauce. If they raise the price of their chicken sandwich, they say we can't do this unless we add the value and experience of our customers coming to pay that much. I remember when they first came to Maple Grove, before they sold their first chicken. They said, we're going to sponsor a free block party. And they just took over the community center in Maple Grove. They brought out the bouncers and music and games. And, and they brought in all kinds of free sandwiches and cookies and drinks. And they had some prizes. It was a great time. They were here to say, no, we're not out here for the mighty dollar. We're out here just to add value and care for our community. Then if you like, hey, come and find, I was like, wow, what a great model. Could you imagine a church like that? And we're not just out for ourselves. and uh, We want to be generous. We want to be healthy enough to say, man, how can we bless the community? Because, see, I believe as Jesus was in the area, if Jesus was on the streets, people would hear about it. And so many times t- churches are just so ingrown, they're so boring, uh, they're just so dead, right? And if Jesus was here, we would be out in the streets. We'd be like, how can we help kids that don't have enough food? And who needs some uh, help out there? That local school, those teachers are drained and, the, and people are suffering. How can we come together maybe three or four or five times a year collectively to bless our community? And before I know it, that people are like, oh, yeah, we, we, we've heard of Faith Faithbrook. Man, they are engaged in the community. They are a blessing in the community. In fact, we we need faith in our community because they add such a value, such a blessing in our community. See, because every person is important. God's asking us to step up our game. That doesn't mean that our vision, God wants us to be some mega church that we just have campuses here and there, and we're just some giant church, Right? He's not calling us to, to be some exclusive country club restaurant that only a few people can go to and feel comfortable to. It's kind of like Chick-fil-A. They're like anybody can go to Chick-fil-A, but it's going to be quality. It's going to be excellent. It's going to be intentional because someone cares because Jesus cares. That's why our mission statement around here is what we want to try to do every day in our everyday life is to love God, love people, and journey together. Can you imagine... Working with someone that is on a journey to love God with all the heart, soul, mind, and strength—that's their their number one pursuit in life—and to love themselves, uh, love others as they love themselves. Can you imagine what a joy to work with somebody like that? Man, that's the heart of Jesus, and someone that comes in all prickly—that's just kind of all hard—but someone's let God transform them through the Holy Spirit and just through you know life groups and teaching and discipleship and and mentoring—that something is something delightful and something attractive. And that's one of the reasons why we put a lot of resources in the next generation. Um, I'm so thankful for our, our staff and our volunteers, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, because see, these young people, that the, the experts tell us that this pandemic has really ratcheted up their anxiety, their pressures, they're not sure what's going to happen, families are under pressure, and our vision is God's vision to have an oasis where people can come, especially young people, and say, this is your place, man. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to posture. You are welcome here, and we want you to find friends. We're going to have some volunteers here. We're going to have some staff here to give you and teach you the principles of life-giving love of Jesus Christ, that there's some boundaries, and there's some hope, and there's some some help, and kids can thrive, and there are formative years that they excel and grow, and For they know it, they're adding values and they're becoming the next leaders. All because we want to love God. We want to love people. We don't have it all together. It's not a perfect church, right? But we want to journey together to to lock arms. And our overall vision is to help lead people into a new and thriving life in Christ Jesus. I mean when people say yes to Jesus, say, you know, I realize that I'm kind of Funky, weird, hard, and I need Jesus. I say yes to Jesus and, and see them start being transformed into something special. In fact, you probably don't know this, but, but inwardly leadership life, we're praying for 22 people to say yes to Christ in our fiscal year. We, we pray for that. Um, and uh, you don't know this, but just in the last couple of months, we had a couple of people say yes to Jesus. I'm either recommitting my life or I'm saying yes to Jesus the first time. We're up to like 13 people this year that said yes. To Jesus, it's, it's fun. It's amazing. We're praying for that. that that's a big deal for, for us. And you know what's remarkable is some people in this last year out of these 13 people have, have said yes to Jesus online. We haven't even met these people. Uh, they're watching us. They're peeking into us. They're watching us right now. What's wrong with that guy? He's kind of weird, but hello out there. And, and, but, but God is working through the internet, and they say yes, I push that button. I want to start a new life and say yes to Jesus Christ. Some have trickled into our church, and we got to met, and they're being encouraged and disciples. Other people are, are reaching out to people that just influencing. I heard from, from one person that would say, you know, there's somebody in the church that really kind of invested in me, took an interest in me, and they were influencing me. And they compelled me to visit Faithbrook. And I've been there and they compelled me to maybe look in my soul and you know what? I've made a decision to say yes to Jesus and I'm changing and I have changed. This person was sharing this, you know, I used to do these things six, seven months ago. I was was this way, but now I've let go of those things. I, I got Jesus in my life. I'm on a new path in my life. This person influenced this person to say, have you checked out the, the U version Bible? <clears throat> that you can have it on your phone. Yes, I got the U version Bible. Oh, yes, there's there's verses and there's some Christian music. And, and now I'm listening to K-Love, right? K Love, there's there's these Christian songs that have been introduced to me. I'm growing, I'm processing in, in Christ. I'm like, yes, that's what the heart of Christ Because Every person. It has issues. Every person is in need and needs Christ. And this should be our passion. This should be our drive. And impact in such a way through Christ and his spirit that eventually, through the years, Faithbrook Church, because of a household name, from Champlin to Maple Grove, Brooklyn Park, Rogers was like, yes, I've heard of that church. That church has Jesus They are healthy. They are whole. They are vibrant. They are exciting. They're in my kids' schools. They're helping the community. They're raising money for world missions to local missions and helping people just like that Chick-fil-A restaurant that wants to add value to bless their employees, to bless their customers, to bless their vendors. It's not all about them and the mighty dollar. Now, if this is something that maybe intrigues you and interested in you, we don't do this a lot through the years, but I just want to put out an offer of a partnership in our church. And our partnership at Faithbrook is, is what member, other churches call membership. But the reason why we call it partnership is that we are partnering together on a cause. A lot of times it's like, well, I want to be a member. That means I'm going to sit down and you just serve me. No, we're asking you to serve the community when you become a partner in Faithbrook church. Um, this is where we're linking arms together and say, we realize that the world is dark. We realize that the world is broken, and there are people hurting, and we might even be hurting at times, right? But together, we can use our resources, and, and partners at the Faithbrook church are fully engaged. Man, they're, they're showing up. They are growing in Christ. They're part of a life group. They're volunteering. They're giving. They're serving. They're growing in Christ. This is what partnership looks like and means. Now, if you're shopping churches, and, and by the way, there's a lot of people moving into our area and, and the stakes are high. They, they want to find a healthy church that, that believes in the Bible, believes in Christ, and maybe not even believe in, in Christ yet, but they want to find some place for their kids and their family. We're glad that you're shopping. I, I've had to shop for churches before. It's tough. You want to make the right decision, right? And we pray that that you're welcome to shop faith Road. there's a lot of wonderful churches around in the community. Shop and pray. This might not be your 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 deal, right? But if it is, maybe to to take the next steps, to maybe to continue to attend. You know, we have about one hundred uh, engaged uh, partners, right? These are the backbone of Facebook. These are the ones that, uh, uh, that are volunteering a lot, the ones that are uh, alive and wanting to grow in Christ. These are the ones that are giving and inviting and growing in Christ, and we're proud of them. Now, if this is something my, you want more information on, we have two cards in front of you in a seat. We have a blue card, and we have a red card. Uh, The blue card is for uh, connections and for guests to let us know you're here, but the red card is kind of an engagement card. If you pull that out on the bottom of the the category I'm interested in, on the bottom it says, learning about partnership. And of course, you can type in our host online, learning about partnership. Hey, I'd like to have a conversation, staff member, or be part of a class or something. What does it mean to be in partnership to help redeem this world, to help bring new life and thriving life in Christ Jesus around in this area? I might be interested in that. Now, I know it's kind of a a plea for partnership, but there's a lot of pleas out there, right? And there's a lot of organizations that are top-notch and wonderful, I mean causes out there, nonprofits to help the homeless, to, to help people with dealing with cancer, people dealing with uh, suicide, maybe you save the whales, help the pets, whatever. Everybody wanting your time, your talents, your, your, your money, kinds of like this. But here's the difference between Faithbrook, is that our business is not so much in just social causes, and they're very important, and Jesus cared for them. Our business is about eternity. Because this is what I know, that, that none of anybody sitting here will continue to live forever, <clears throat> including me. We will all perish. And sometimes we we die earlier and shockingly, but eventually we age out somewhere and we will perish. And something will live on is called the soul. And the last time I looked at the scriptures and I looked at some of those near-death experiences, people all say, you know, there's something on the other side. There's something powerful, there's something holy. There, There's a light. There's there's a love. It must be God. And here's what I want to tell you. That we're in the business that when you get to the other end of your life, your eternity, there's going to be a God that's going to ask you, what did you do with the message? What did you do with the cross? You had a chance to say yes to me and be redeemed from the corruption of the world and sin and start a new life. If you said yes I received you, Jesus. I was like the lady in Mark that said, man, I need you. And I reached out to you by faith. I didn't know exactly what was going to happen, but you touched me and changed me. She said, enter in to eternal life. That's why I came. That was my vision from the beginning for eternal life in you. And by the way, eternal life doesn't start when you get on the other side. It can start right now as we be transformed in Jesus Christ. And yes, Chick-fil-A is awesome. But their vision is to sell a lot of chicken sandwiches and, and bless the world. And young James Dole, he had a vision that if he could grow enough pineapples, man, he could reach America around the world. And he became a, a megastar in the agricultural industry. But our vision is to help lead people into a new and thriving life. Why? Because every person is important. Every person is important. Would you? Just take a moment to contemplate that a little bit. In fact, as we kind of close up, I'd invite you just to do some some reflection, just kind of center in with your spirit. You might close your eyes. You know, my friends, I I think about this often, and I realize we're in 2022. COVID has really shook, shaken this world. Things have changed a lot. People drifting around, drifting out, drifting in. But we're going to get on the other side of this. And faith, Brook is still a component of God's kingdom and life. And he's asking us to see what he sees. That we can easily get caught up in our own issues and drama and, and desires. But God's like, man, would you walk the streets? Would you be available to reach those people with issues? Because they're so important to me. Would it be important to you? And maybe we can't just do it all individually, but collectively we could do something bigger and better than we could ever imagine. And what would be your part? What would be your part? Maybe it's just a step of saying, man, I I need to be part of a family of God. I I need to make a church home somewhere. And and maybe God's directing you to Faithbrook and say, "I, I need to get more engaged. I need to let my kids know, hey, this can be family. This can be home. Maybe you've been around a pretty long time and maybe the step is partnership hey, I, I need to let them know that they can count on me and, and um, you can count on us. And just in more of a formal way to just take that step of I'm partnering in with the mission and the vision of Faithbrook Church, that God is in the area, in the house. Let's, let's take and bless this world. I'd like for us just to pray as we kind of close out. Jesus, man, I'm so grateful for how you just operated because I was one of those people in that crowd that thought, well, nobody knows me you don't even know my name, just like that woman. But God, I reached out to you in faith as a young man. And God, you touched my life. And I pray, God, that there would be many people, even today, maybe listening in the future, that would get that level of faith to just reach out and say, if I could just say yes to Jesus, what can he do in my life? Would you help us to hold on to that, God? We know that, that we are vulnerable God as a church. We are running in the last days, God, and things are tightening up around here. And we pray for protection. We pray for great direction and wisdom. Help me as the, the lead pastor here, God, to just not screw it up, to just be so full of you and your, your love and your vision and your direction, God, that, that we could just raise the level around here, God, that people would know us and say, man, i count on that place. It's a place where I can trust. I want to send my kids there because they really love kids and they seem to be intentional about things in the heart of Christ. God, help us to be a place that we're so confident that we can invite our co and others, that we're going to pray for them or we're going to invite them. And, and here at the church, they can, they can kind of just understand and start absorbing who you are and one day on their own. I want to say yes to Jesus, have an eternal life. God, it doesn't happen by ourselves. It takes your Holy Spirit, God, to be about your business. So I pray in your name. Amen. And amen. Amen. Well, sorry about that. Okay. We're a little passionate about that. God's so good. Hey, love you guys. Thanks for viewing us. Thanks for attending. If I haven't met you yet, I'd love to meet you out in the lobby. Stick around, have some coffee and have a great day. You're dismissed.